0: Good morning again. As always, it is good to be here gathered together on the Lord's Day. If you were new here and you don't know who I am, my name is David. Uh, I'm the teaching pastor here at Hollis Center Church. And this is our first Sunday in our Christmas mini-series. You know, every year we decide to to kind of take a step away from going through books of the Bible and around Christmas time really just focus in on the event that is Christ's first coming. And this year, we're going to focus on three different aspects of the Christmas story that maybe we just don't delve as deeply into or maybe don't focus as much on as usual. And today, we're going to talk about the incarnation. Now, I have a brown paper bag here. And in it, I have a tool so uh, as some of you know I actually just recently uh, started working construction part-time and this has come in very handy fun fact I actually found this in the bushes in front of my house when I was a kid and when I was a kid I thought burglars had tried to break into my house I think just some people were doing work on the house and it got left in the bushes now that I work on a job site you know stuff does get left behind uh, and left around But this has been a very useful tool because we've been taking uh, cedar shingles off the outside of this house. And I've had this tool for like, I don't know, over a decade and I've only ever used it basically to break pallets apart. And so I only really just used it to hammer it into pallets, pry the pieces off. I thought, well, that's really cool, that's nice. I never really paid much attention to the fact that there is this teardrop shaped bit in the flat bar. There's, There's, see right there, diagram. Um, there's this little teardrop shape never really paid much attention to I thought I guess that's probably for something never really thought much about it right just live my happy blissful life it's actually super handy because if you have a nail that's like right here in a wall you just go like this hook boom it just comes right out it's extremely useful and I, I thought to myself that's actually a pretty good illustration in fact, I think I mentioned that in the moment because there was some fear among my coworkers that they would start becoming illustrations. You know, whenever someone says something off-color, they go, watch out, you're going to become part of David's sermon. But I've had this tool for a very long time. And yet, I just never understood its full purpose it didn't mean that i didn't know what the tool is for it didn't mean that i didn't use the tool or appreciate it but i did not know its full utility its full purpose and i think it's that's kind of our relationship with the incarnation that is jesus christ fully god becoming man we know that that is important we know that it happened we put our trust in that that's what we needed but we maybe don't always think about the details and what that actually means for us. So today we're gonna see that the Incarnation is not just a cool idea, but provides what we actually need. The Incarnation is not just a cool idea, but provides what we actually need. As Christians, we firmly believe that God is one, but he is also three persons. He is one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this God is spirit, and this God brought everything into existence. He pre-existed everything and brought everything that we see out of nothing. And in the beginning of our Bibles, in the beginning of Genesis, we have a creation narrative. And as part of this creation narrative, there's a garden. And that's a story that we're very familiar with, even pop culture is familiar with this story of Adam and Eve, right, mankind's representatives. And in the garden, there were two trees. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was the tree of life. And they could eat of any tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life gave them life. They would never have to face death. This tree that God provided for them would allow them to live and live and live and carry out the responsibilities that he gave them and it's interesting in the garden there really wasn't this strong sense of separation between the physical and the spiritual it's a garden it's a very physical place and yet in this very physical place God is walking with man And the responsibilities that that God gives to Adam and Eve are extremely physical, earthy responsibilities. There wasn't this divide between the spiritual and the physical. Just to touch down on a few areas in Genesis, which if you're in one of the black hardcover Bibles is going to be on page 1 in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and verse 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And in chapter 2, in verses 19 and 20, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. In those verses, we see a few important points in the story, one of which is that man is made in God's image. Man is different than the animals. He is made like God. And he's given this task. Adam and Eve are to have dominion over creation. They are to rule over it, tame it, cultivate it. And we see in the verses following 27 and 28, in chapter 1 god continually says i have given i have given i have given god is giving all of creation to mankind they're to rule over it and we see this in adam's creative act of naming the animals that god is actually allowing man to participate in in this creation that he has made they are mediators they're filling a middle space between nature and god you know part part of the the image of god is that we are just exceptionally unique because as as human beings we we bridge this gap between the physical and the spiritual there there is a spiritual realm with spiritual beings that are purely spiritual and then there's a physical world around us full of all sorts of interesting creatures bugs and and animals and and we're kind of bridging that middle space because we can understand the spiritual we can have a relationship with the living god and yet we're also in a sense creatures with physical needs with maybe we could even say instincts we're made for connection and communion with god and yet we find ourselves as part of the creation we cannot fully separate the physical from the spiritual. I think this is why, if we don't want to be distracted in prayer, we use the physical to our advantage, right? We we kneel down, we close our eyes, we listen to instrumental music. There's a variety of practices that, that Christians have used over 2,000 years to use the physical for spiritual purposes because we are both physical and spiritual i think this is another part of the reason that we can have amazing theology you know we can have wonderful beliefs about who god is and how christians are to behave and yet our physical desires can completely work against and cause us to act against what we believe right there's a there's a tension that is in all of us between the physical and the spiritual because we are both. We see this in that when Adam and Eve have their great rebellion against God that sends all of humanity into spiritual darkness and death, they eat fruit. That's not just a silly detail. It's a very physical act that has spiritual and physical implications for all people. And part of that great tragedy is that man is not meant to be separated. both spiritual and physical we are not meant to be torn apart and yet because of the fall because Adam and Eve rebelled against God we die our physical body dies and is separated from the inner man it's one of the great tragedies of the fall I think this is why death in one sense feels extremely natural and the other sense feels completely unnatural like we look at animals we watch the salmon uh, that, that are in the ocean and they run up the rivers and the streams and they die after laying their eggs and fertilizing the eggs and then the small salmon work their way back to the ocean and the cycle begins, right? We, we see beauty in the life cycle of animals and there's a sense that we look at our own lives and recognize that we have a cycle. But yet when it comes to facing death, there's a part of it that just doesn't feel natural for a conscious human being. Is death physical or spiritual? Romans 12 just says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned." There is a close link between sin and death. Very close link between sin and death. We are made in the image of God. We're like him, and yet we're not like him. We recognize that we have missed the mark as human beings. We are fallen. We do not live up to his standard. We are meant to be like God and with him forever, yet unable to. So that, that's kind of the problem. Okay, that's, that's a lot that we just kind of brought, brought together in a few minutes. But this is where the turning point happens. This is why we celebrate Christmas. In John 1 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God did something miraculous and wonderful to change our situation. He became man and entered our space. The incarnation is not just a cool idea, but it provides what we actually need. Two passages I'd like us to touch down in. Hebrews chapter 2 is the first. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. That's page 941 if you're in one of the hardcover Bibles. that are scattered around here. In verse 14, it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, referring to Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, Verses 20 through 22. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And in Hebrews 4, sorry to make you flip back there, that's my fault. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need In those verses, and there's a lot in those verses, we see multiple reasons why the incarnation matters. Multiple aspects of why God became man. That Jesus became man to experience death, to conquer death, to conquer the devil. He is both our perfect priest and our perfect sacrifice he is not only the one standing before God praying for us, but he is also offering himself as the sacrifice. He's the propitiation, the payment that on the cross, he paid for our sins and he is the perfect priest who goes before God and offers that sacrifice. And because he lived as a man, he's fully able to understand us to help us when we are being tempted when we are struggling and while adam the first man brought death jesus brings a full reversal of this as the perfect adam in that he brings life to the human race and earlier in the book of hebrews we actually see jesus portrayed as the perfect heir to the throne jesus was in a lineage of kings And yet that lineage of kings had failed, even though God had promised to King David that you will always have an heir to sit on the throne. Israel had lost their nation. The Romans were ruling over them. And yet Jesus steps up as the perfect king, not just the king of a strip of land, but as the one who is able to rule over everything, rule over the whole world. The incarnation is not just a cool idea, but provides what we actually need. I imagine that most of us in this room have at one time or many times in our life faced a multifaceted problem. That there was a problem in our lives that had so many elements to it, so many complexities, so many pressures and issues that it just seemed unsolvable. just as an illustration imagine that you're off-roading which I know not a lot of you maybe are into that but just just play along with me you know you're you're doing some off-roading way up north you're in unfamiliar territory you lose your wallet and your phone and then you break down it's nighttime and it's cold and it's wet you don't know where you are your vehicle's dead. You need a lot of help, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless this is going to turn into one of those shows about you know some hiker that died in the woods, right? Uh, some special series about you know the 14 days it took them to find your body, right? You need some help to get out of the woods. You need someone who's willing to get down in the mud with you, help you get your vehicle out. Someone with the mechanical knowledge and the tools and a powerful vehicle enough to pull you out, to get you to safety. Someone who knows how your vehicle works, someone who knows the roads. someone who can pay for repairs, someone who can give you directions. That's what Jesus is for us. In this fallen and broken world, our human condition is complicated. We are meant for relationship with our creator, and yet we find that there's a separation between us and the consequences of that are far-reaching and complex and christ in the incarnation addresses the issue on all possible fronts jesus got down in the mud with us but as god he had the power to rescue us fully that's the incarnation it's not just a cool idea but provides what we actually need that's why we rejoice in the baby in the manger just as much as the savior on the cross and the king who is coming and so today i just have two important lessons for us to dwell on uh, to noodle on based on the fact that god became man and there are obviously many but just two for us to kind of think about today the first is that physical matter is not evil physical matter is not evil after the resurrection jesus still had a physical body you ever thought about that the tomb was empty the tomb was empty thomas uh, put his hands in the holes in jesus's hands he had a physical resurrection he still has a human body Jesus became just like us, but without sin. Being human is not wrong. It's not wrong. We are just incomplete because of the fall. When Jesus ascended in glory, he was still man, but in a resurrected body. Just try to wrap your mind around that. That the Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven In glory perfect is also fully human I think unfortunately we we sometimes might have this idea of our human bodies that these are just wrappers that we discard it's a single-use item not gonna need it for much longer and that's that's a very unbiblical view of our existence Heaven is not the end goal. One day there is going to be a great resurrection. And we will use these bodies again. By Christ's power, they will be made new. Okay? I'm not saying that all the problems you've got in your body right now, you're stuck with them. Ha ha. Right? Because we know these bodies are failing us more and more every single day. I'm 27 and I know that. Okay, it's only getting better from here, right? That's what I hear. But we will still have these bodies. They will just be changed. These are are not wrappers to discard, but something valuable that is part of our being that will one day be made whole. And I think a consequence of that is that these bodies should be treated with respect. This is why uh, Christians have historically buried their dead. Now, it's not that if you're cremated or something weird happens to your body, that, oh, God can't raise you from the dead. No, anyone who died a long time ago is dust. But symbolically, that's why Christians have historically buried their dead. It's because of our hope in the resurrection. That these are the bodies that God is going to raise one day. Spirituality is not an escape from the physical. Every part of this life can become worship. Every part of this life can become worship. Worship is not just some place we go in our heart and in our mind on a special day. But it's also something we do with our hands, with our lifestyle, with everything that is around us, everything we interact with, food, drink, dancing, work. All of these are not inherently evil. They are God-given. The question is, what are we going to do with them? They are all opportunities to thank God and worship him. And man, I really think this deflates legalism. Because when legalism gets strong, views begin to develop that physical things are inherently evil. That drink is inherently evil. Certain places are inherently evil. Maybe certain instruments in extreme cases are inherently evil. And that is just not the case. Physical is not evil. It's a question of how we use it. And I think that raises the stakes, doesn't it? Because no longer is there this division between God's stuff, which is spiritual, and our stuff that is physical. No longer is it, well, I give God 10% of my money to tithe to him, and the 90% that I have left is mine. And I give God a few hours on Sunday, and that's his, and the rest of the time is mine. But rather, Christ as king is putting all things under subjection to himself. And everything is an opportunity to glorify him. I think that should change our view of all physical things and how we use them and cherish them. Secondly, closeness with God is possible. I think this is the number one lesson we get from The incarnation, closeness with God is possible. Here's a line that that I pulled off of a podcast, and so I don't think I remembered it perfectly well. But it's something that stuck with me. Christ in his divinity became what we are so that we could become what in his humanity he is. Let me unpack that. Jesus Christ is fully God, and yet he became fully man, so that we could become fully man because going back to the garden as human beings we are meant to have eternal life and we are meant to have a perfect relationship with our creator and yet we've lost that haven't we we've lost that and christ restores it to us that he became man so when we look at Christ in his humanity and his perfection, one day we can become that. Are we ever going to become God? No. We aren't Mormon, all right? We are not going to become God one day. But Christ in his humanity? Yes. Like He is the new Adam. He is our example of what we will be one day. We were glorified with him. Christ is the payment for our sins. He has beaten death. He understands our struggles. He's the perfect king. When we lost access to God's space, he entered our space and offered a way back to him. Matthew 1, verse 21 through 23. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what Christmas is about. God with us. In the complexity of our human situation, God entered that to conquer it, to provide freedom and life for us. And so if you today feel far off from God, maybe you feel that the complexity of, of your human experience just makes you on a cold different plane, far away from your creator. Maybe you feel abandoned. You feel like you can't please him know that he entered your space so that you could have a relationship with him, that you could be made well. He took on human flesh. He suffered to be with you. You have value and you were made for him to be fully human. That's what we learn in the incarnation. It's not just a cool idea, it it provides what we actually need as people. Let's pray. (sighs) Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thank you that you did not abandon us to the condition we find ourselves in. But you suffered, Lord Jesus. You became man so that we could become fully human as we were intended to be. We praise you for this. Help us to be full of thanksgiving for those of us that have put our trust in you. I pray that many more of those who are listening today would find you and rejoice in the baby in the manger. God with us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.